All right, welcome to episode two of the Cranky Fan Podcast, part of the FL Teams channel, sponsored by no one. We don't have a sponsor yet, so if you're a sponsor, come look up the Cranky Fan. I am your host, the Cranky Fan, and last week we talked about the Rays. Today we're going to talk about my other love, the Florida Gators, and I have brought on an actual guest and this is I bring in my old tag team partner who we used to do a Gator show together for a couple of years. And I told him if I ever had a solo pod, he would be my very first guest. So this is my solo pod. And here's my very first guest from WFOY radio and also the host of the Gator Blitz and the Gridiron Growl podcast, Mark McLeod. Mark, thanks for joining. Mike, it's a pleasure to be on with you. It's uh what old times it's been about a year and a half since we did a podcast together so yeah it's like hall and oats reuniting we're simon and garfunkel (laughs) all of those wow you actually went here (laughs) well but at least i could sing so you know (laughs) we just make sweet music talking about the gators so uh it's great to talk to you again mark um wanted to bring you on and um for those of you listening today, today we're going to talk exclusively about the Gators. Um, next week, I have another uh, exciting guest. We'll talk about the Rays again, but this will be a Gators exclusive show. Um, want to bring Mark in because this is the perfect time of year to talk. Um, you know, SEC Media Days is coming up in a, about a week or so. Uh, we're in the throes of recruiting. Um, you know, and before you know, it's going to be fall practice, and we're starting another season up. And it's a pretty pivotal year for the Gators, you know, Billy Napier, the new coach and everything. So I thought we'd kind of reset everything and kind of look back a little bit, look up, you know, where we are right now and where we're headed to for this year. So I guess the first question, Mark, is, you know, you know, obviously I'm in New York and you're down in Florida and, you know, my feel for the program is what I hear on Twitter mostly. And that's, you know, not good. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter maniacs make things, everything, the worst thing ever, or the best thing ever. So you know, you being down in Florida, what's the sense of the uh, state of the program? How are people feeling, you know, with getting rid of uh, Dan Mullen, bringing in Billy Napier, everything? How's, how's everybody feeling right now? You know, I think when Dan Mullen was on his way out, I, I think there was some pushback from some fans. I think there were some fans saying, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. We just enjoyed some tremendous success under Kyle Trask at quarterback. Come on, guys, what are you doing, you know? And um, there was some resentment toward guys like uh, myself and, and really a lot of the guys who cover recruiting who are on top of this and have been on top of this for a long time who were saying, guys, the program's not in a good place. It's not in a good place. And the people who are just casual followers of recruiting or didn't care about following recruiting, I, you know, you have a lot of guys who I'll, I'll deal with it when they get on campus. You know, that's when I'll start following all that. I think there was a few of those who guys who weren't bought in, but I think when you look at what happened last year and how it ended, and then um, uh, certainly when you look at, at, at the spring and all the projections for the University of Florida football team in 2022, I think there are a lot of people that look at it and say it had to be done. And I've heard from quite a few people who were not on board or were not sure about that move um, to part ways with Mullen, who who are are on board. And now, just as you said on Twitter, you have this handful of fans, you know, a very small percentage who, woe is me, woe is me. Napier's been on the job six months, six and a half months, and he eight seven months, and he hasn't reeled in. Um, recruit XYZ and and how dare we lose two recruits to Florida State? How dare we lose <laughs> four recruits to Miami? How you know and and um, it's just a handful of people. But you're right; they make life miserable for a lot of uh, a lot of the rest of us who just you know, not myself per per se, but you know I just shake my head at it. But I don't even comment <laughs> on it. You know, so right. those, those uh, so I, but I think it's in a good place. I think. A lot of changes that needed to be made within the Florida program in terms of support staff. I love what's going on. I love what's happening there in terms of organization. I like what's going on there. And then, of course, the number one thing is recruiting. You know, it 
it, it's going to take some time for he and his staff to to develop really good relationships with some of the head coaches and assistant coaches at, in the high schools in Florida. Um, and, and let's face it, part of that is because high schools are popping up left and right in the state of Florida over the past two years even, and yeah. kids are jumping left and right from school to school to school. You know, we see that happening. So so that can make things a little a little more difficult. But but I, I think if they give, give him a chance, I really like what he's done, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. I, I really like that staff. I'm curious to see what happens on the offensive side of the ball. I think there's some good additions there too, but but um, I, I like what I see going on with the Florida program and Billy Napier. Yeah, we're definitely gonna talk a little recruiting. I'm I'm not a I am not a recruit, Nick. I don't go crazy because I get so frustrated about these guys who are, well, I'm down to my final ten, and I'm down to my final three, and I've committed, but I'm taking other visits. Then you know, after it's close consideration with my family, I'm decommitting. I'm yeah. going here, so. I follow recruiting. I'm excited. I, I'm more interested in the guys we're trying to get what other hats are on the table. You know, that's my thing. And then, okay, let me know when they sign who it's going to be. But I want to start really by looking backwards for a second um, before we get to even right now, what do you think was the the biggest reason or reasons that we came from a program before we kicked off against LSU in 2020 with a really good chance to potentially be in the playoff to 12 months later, looking for a new head coach. What do you think went wrong? You know, <coughs> I, I think, I think it's twofold to be honest with you, Mike, <coughs> I guess. Jeez, it's okay. all choked up about it. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. I think it's twofold. I think number one staffing. I think there was a problem at Florida uh, with staffing. I, I think Dan Mullen really should have made some moves. I think um, he needed to bring somebody in who could recruit on the offensive line. John Hevesy is not a guy that can recruit, and he's not he's not known for that. And I don't think he did a very good job there, as we all know. Um, I don't think Greg Knox was a strong recruiter either. I think those guys did some good things with the – position players they coached and we could we could argue and debate some stuff with with some of the offensive linemen I, I just think Hevesy's a a different dude and he's a guy that I think the kids of today probably don't if he was the offensive eye. line coach with Steve Spurrier for example he'd have been perfect he, he would have he would have in the 90s he would have been perfect uh, I think those guys would have uh, uh, have laughed and, and and had a better time with some of the the mannerisms and the things that Hevesy does. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then I think Greg Knox, I don't think that was a good fit. Certainly on the defensive side of the ball, Todd Grantham. I mean, how do you keep Todd Grantham out there? I, I, and I think that really um, was just a, a big part of my puzzle with it. Was I kept looking at, at the Grantham thing and I'm like, you know, you can be a sharp defensive mind all you want to, but if you're not making the right decisions – if you don't have the right personnel on the field, um, if you can't get the 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 call in before the snap of the ball, or guys are still looking to the sideline going, "What's going on?" I mean, you've got real problems, and that was that to me was an an easy decision that Mullen was yeah. unable or unwilling, I should say, to make. And, and there were some other uh, moves as well, but but I think that was the main thing and recruiting. I mean. You know, there, there were just far too many kids who were elite players, elite players who were not even really given a serious look at the University of Florida, and that should not be happening. Yeah, I mean, to me, recruiting eventually would have sunk Dan Mullen, you know, over time yeah. because the classes yeah. would have been, you know, if you're the 15th, 16th class every year and you're 7th, 8th in the SEC, you're eventually going to fall. I think what happened with this program you know, the, the rapid dissension from, you know, almost beating Bama in the SEC game to him getting fired was kids aren't stupid and players aren't stupid. I know we, we criticize student athletes now because now with NIL, they're trying to get the money. They're looking at for a shortcut to get the NFL, but they're also hyper competitive and they want to win. And these guys put a lot of time into the gym, a lot of time preparing themselves to be the best they can be to win and be competitors. 
And Dan Mullen just had this thing about him where in spite of what him saying, how he could be in a thumb wrestling match and would want to beat you, he didn't have that killer mentality. I mean, there's three three things happen, I think, how we lost the team that quickly. That LSU game in 2020 when he benched uh, – when Kyle Pitts didn't play. He could have played. He yep. sat him because he's like, even if we lose, we could still make the playoff if we beat Bama. That, to me, that's not the sign of a coach who'll do anything to win at any cost. Could you imagine Steve Spurrier saying that or even Urban no, Meyer no. saying that? Never. That's the difference between those two guys. The second thing I think was that bowl game, that um, the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma, where you could tell that team did not – not only did that team not want to be there, they were not prepared to be there, and they were embarrassed. And yeah. when he said after, well, that was our scout team, you know, again, it may not mean much in the grand scheme of things, but just kind of like, well, we'll just, who cares? We'll just, we'll play backups and who cares what the score is. That's that. I think he lost a lot of the locker room that way. And then the third thing I think is that, um, uh, what's his name? Started quarterback over, uh, Anthony Richardson last year. Emory. Owns yeah. Emory. Anybody who has half a brain and who has two eyes knows that Anthony Richard Richardson is a better quarterback than him. And I think just this loyalty, and it goes back to what you said about Todd Grantham. I think, you know, seeing that the best players not being put in a position to make the teams as good as they can be. I think those three things lost the locker room that quickly because again, recruiting takes time. You know, that's a slow slope. You slowly each year you're, you're losing out to the Georges and the Bamas and the talent gap grows and grows. But Again, to go from a team that really was a play away from beating Bama in the SEC game to what happened last year, the, the disgrace and embarrassment they were, that means the players quit, and they quit on their coach. And then you add to the fact that Mullen made up stories through his agent about the NFL and all these different mm -hmm. things. And this isn't the old days with coaching where you're a coach you know, for as long as you need to be. It's You don't produce, and things go south, you're gone. So I think we did the right thing of cutting bait when we did. It had to be done. Yeah, he was a – his ego was a huge problem. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I heard a story years ago when he interviewed at Miami that people were walking away from that meeting saying, you got to be kidding me. Who does this yeah. guy think he is? Um, and, and I think Dan's ego really he, – his his butt wrote a lot of checks that are, you know, that, that you know, he wrote a lot of checks his butt couldn't cash. I mean, <laughs> seriously. And, yeah. and I think that was a big part of it, but you know, and that's kind of where I tie in with the Hevesy Grantham uh, Knox thing. You know, he was insistent on, no, we're going to win. We're going to win. And for three years, people had like myself and others had been saying, you know, Florida's, got some work to do. They, they, they've got about three coaches at least they need to move on from and bring in some home run recruiters because Dan Mullen is not that guy. He's not a home run recruiter. He's not even a real good recruiter. Um, let's, let's, and that's putting it mildly. But, you know, he, he was stubborn. He was very stubborn. And I think your points are, are spot on in terms of, of speaking to just how stubborn he is. And, and you know, I, I kind of liken it to his – take on staffing and recruiting, but you're right. When it gets down, when you get down to what, what's the root cause of it, it's Stan Mullen. Yeah. So they did the right thing. They, they moved on. So what'd you think about the Napier hiring? I loved it. I loved it. I, you know, the more I read about him and I want to go back a, a year or two prior, you know, he, he, he had been rumored for some other SEC jobs as a candidate, you know, not as a, a guy they were going to bring on, but mm -hmm. but as a candidate. And that's when I first started really looking a bit at, at Napier. I knew the name, obviously. I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't know much about him. And and the more I kept looking at, the more I I saw, wow, you know. And and Saban had so many good things to say about him. Um, you know, the people in Louisiana were saying, wow, he is really changing our program, and and he's cultivating winning. And he got it organized, and we have a we have a program, we have a we have a path. This is how we we manage things and do things, and and it was done the same way. And the more that I saw with that with Napier, 
the more I liked. And, and again, I think when you look at what he's done, I mean, you, you've added uh, Corey Raymond, uh, Patrick Tony, uh, Mike Peterson. Um, you know, I'm just talking about some of the defensive guys. And then, and then you look at some of the offensive guys. I'm going to re- be real curious to see how, how Colbert does with the wide receivers, how Jaluk uh, manages that running back room, and, and certainly how um, – how uh, two Rob offensive, yeah, two offensive that line coaches. That's it really league. needs a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I was at the LS, LSU game last year. And you remember before that game, all the talk was, was Coach O going to get fired and this, and they were a mess, LSU. And these two guys, two Gators sitting next to me, were talking to these LSU guys right in front of us. And they said, uh, so are you guys going to hire Billy Napier? And they're like, oh, we can't wait. You know, it's, just say the word and launch Coach O and then let's go and get started. And, you know, I just remember that little 10-second conversation. It stuck with my brain. So when this whole thing came and all of a sudden, you know, the conversations after we after we fired Mullen, it was like Napier, Napier, Napier. Um, you know, on paper, he sounds great. And again, you know, if we're winning the offseason, like we always make fun of Tennessee for doing, he's certainly – winning a lot of the offseason. He's doing what needs to get done. He's, you know, he's a commitment to recruiting, finally getting the support staff that this university needs. Uh, you know, all, all the things that sound right. I guess the one thing I can, I don't know if the question's the right word, but be a little skeptical about, because I you know, once bitten, twice shy. I remember a very similar situation with uh, um, Jim McElwain. I mean, Jim mm-hmm. McElwain was a, you know, he was a yeah. Saban disciple, offensive coordinator from him. He came here and it was just like, it seemed like a little out of left field, but you see his pedigree and that didn't work out well at all. I mean, he just did not have that, you know, again, that real commitment to recruiting and a little bit of the deer in the headlights of coaching in a hotbed like Gainesville. Like, I think it's going to be different with this guy compared to him. He reminds me more of urban Meyer and the fact he seems like he's very organized. He has a plan. He's going to follow the plan from page one to page to a thousand. But uh, I'm, I'm very, very cautiously optimistic, I guess, since we haven't had a good coaching hire in, you know, <laughs> almost 20 years now, I'm a little nervous, but I definitely feel like we're in the right direction. Well, you know, McElwain kept saying the, the thing that, that got me about McElwain is when he kept talking about Clarabelle and he could he coaching. Clarabelle up to be quarterback, and I'm sitting there thinking, but look at the team. Who's 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 the Clarabelle on this team? I mean, you're you you're not coaching them up, you know. And mm-hmm. and really, you sit there and you know you had a few moments of good quarterback play there, but overall it was it was really difficult in the McElwain era. And, you know that may be the difference now because I, I think overall. Uh, you know, with some of the quarterbacks who are interested in Florida, and you look at Richardson, you look at getting a Jack Miller, who I, I think Jack Miller is going to be the interesting piece of the puzzle to me because if, if something were to happen to Richardson, but Miller didn't, Miller wasn't on campus very long before spring practice. And, no. you know, that, that spring game really upset him. Uh, that is not who he is. So I think, I think he'll be better come August and September. And I think the quarterback room at Florida, you know, is is uh, in in a better spot anyway. Um, uh, especially when you look at the talent of Richardson. I mean, man, that that guy, you know, a lot of uh, of, of length, strong arm ability, uh, athleticism. There's so much there that that if they can get him to make good decisions, uh, improve his accuracy. You know, and, and make those right decisions. Wow, it, it could be a really fun time with the Florida offense. And that will come because, again, you know, people are looking at, you know, he only had how many attempts last year? Not many, sixty or so. And the one game he started, they threw him against an all-time great defense when he wasn't prepared. It was almost like a, you know, a, a, a Dan Mullen saying, "All right, you really want to see him? Yeah. Here he is." And he put him in a horrible situation, a a, a can't-win situation. I mean, he has a chance to be an immortal quarterback here at Florida. I mean, he's got, you know, the body of a Cam Newton. He has the the gun of a Rex Grossman. He's got uh, a little wiggle in in his uh, in, in speed. In addition to he can truck somebody running down the field. 
I mean, if you could, to me, the biggest thing for him is just staying healthy. You know, just yeah. You know, right. Don't do I'm foolish at. things. Keep your keep yourself in the best position to stay healthy. No dancing around the dorm rooms. No being foolish. Just <laughs> you know, that should be this support staff and medical team and strength and conditioning's number one, two, and three priority this year. Even more so than keeping the offensive line healthy. Keep AR healthy because if he's healthy, I mean. This team could go from being a uh, mid-tier yeah. SEC East team to playing in Atlanta just on quarterback play. We've seen it in this conference happen yeah. before. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. And and we've seen it a lot in this conference. Sure. Quarterback play changes things. Uh, you know, and, and look, look no further than Mike Leach. Mike Leach has had some teams that you look at, um, and I'm not just talking Mississippi State. Go back through his career and, and – you look at some of these teams, some of these defenses particularly, and then you watch the quarterback play, and you're like, the reason this team is even in for a bowl game is because of terrific quarterback play. Yeah. And those players are being developed. And and that's the problem that we had with with Mullen, I think, really believed, oh, I get these guys here, we get them bigger, faster, stronger. I know this staff, we can develop them, and we're gonna be, we're gonna be just fine. Well, yeah, but you know, you, you really need to get elite players or competing against the likes of Alabama, uh, you know, LSU, Georgia, whoever it may be, week after week after week is going to wear yeah. you down. And the problem that you look at with Florida is is depth. And look, Billy Nakers essentially said it himself. You know, Florida has some depth issues right now. And that's going to yeah. be a, a key. Florida, and you said it. Florida's got to stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's a small sample size, but Dan Mullen did have Emory as his quarterback, who was a four-star quarterback who flipped from Ohio State. So it wasn't like he was just some walk-on who came on. He wasn't Shane Matthews from 1990. He was, and he regressed over his time playing here. And again, yeah. I get it. The offensive line wasn't very good. The running game regressed, you know this, that, and all these other things are going on. There probably was a mutiny in that locker room. I think there was last year, but you know, okay. He took Kyle Trask, who was just a walk on and, and it made him into something, but you know, Emery, that was his guy. That was his big recruit. And he was a bust. Un- but remember how Trask got on the field, Mike. Dan yeah, he got hurt. Time. Felipe yeah. Franks had to get hurt because he was telling us even days before that, that Trask isn't ready. Trask isn't ready. And, you know, I remember being at a practice session for Florida. Um, uh, it was in the fall. But we were watching uh, Kyle Trask throw and, and some of the guys. And I remember Robbie Andrew and I just happened to be standing next to each other, the, the Robbie, the former writer for the Gainesville Sun. And we kept looking at each other like, wow. I said, Kyle Trask looks pretty good. He really does look pretty good. And then, of course, within days, he was hurt. He had hurt his uh, foot or ankle. Right. And you're, right. But you're sitting there, you're watching that, and you're going, um, Felipe Franks, accuracy issues, uh, doesn't seem to make good decisions, holds on to the ball way too That long. was our biggest – those are some of the yeah. biggest arguments we have on our old show because you were anti-Franks. And I'm like, well, 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 well. And you're like, no. Not accurate. Don't like them. <laughs> so yeah. you're right. You're right. I was you would have been the year before. Because I was been at practice and got to watch it. Now here's the difference with the media guys. We don't get to go to practice and watch this stuff anymore. You know? Um, you know, you go back many, many years ago and sitting there and I'm all this stuff about Brock Berlin, and we're hearing about Brock Berlin. And here's Rex Grossman. I remember sitting there and I wrote all this stuff about Brock Berlin and how excited everybody was, how we all were to go out and watch him. And we're watching him. And he had some struggles early. All of them did. But then you're watching and you see Rex Grossman day after day. I remember one day Grossman left the field. I'm standing there. He goes, hey, Mark. And he just smiled at me. I'm going, yeah, because I had written like two columns <laughs> prior, two weeks prior about Rex Grossman or um, uh, Brock Berlin. And, you know, look, we finally get to see Brock Berlin. All right. This is our opportunity. And and yeah, well, the difference—the difference between the okay coach and the the excellent coach—the difference between a Dan Mullen and a Steve Spurrier is Steve Spurrier says Brock Berlin's my big recruit, Rex Grossman's better. He's playing. Yeah, Dan yeah. Mullen says <laughs> Emery's my my recruit. 
I'm loyal. He earned. He didn't earn his chance. He waited his turn in line, and he will play to the, the detriment right. of the team. Right. Yeah. And you know the thing about Steve Spurrier, too, was everybody talks about, all oh, Spurrier's ego, blah, blah, blah. You, you go back and look at two key things that happened with, with Spurrier. Number one, when he got to Florida, they got out at practice, did what they did during the spring. He went to the Gator Club meetings, and I remember him saying, hey, guys, we've got a pretty good football team. Galen Hall and his staff did a good job of uh, bringing in some quality players here at Florida. He goes, he goes nobody else has given us a chance, but I think we're going to be pretty good. And he told everybody that they were going to be pretty good. And, of course, you know, a lot of it was, is Shane Matthews the guy? Can he be the guy? What? Spurrier sure thought so. He what really was the did. thing he said? He said, I don't know exactly who my starting quarterback is going to be, but that guy will be the SEC player of the year. <laughs> he did. He did. That's right. And, and you know, he gave – um but he gave Galen Hall, and he always gave Galen Hall a lot of credit. I, I remember uh, a few months ago, maybe two months ago, three months ago, there was a group of us uh, sports writers in, in, uh, from Alabama and what have you, and we were all in a chat thing, and we were talking about some things. And, and a guy from Georgia, actually, a sports writer from Georgia, actually brought up a thing about Spurrier. Said, ah, blah, blah, blah. He, you know, I said, no, 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 no. He gave Galen Hall and the staff a lot of credit. He said, you know, you're right. He goes, I do remember that. He did give him a lot of credit. He goes, that, that's true. And also he gave uh, John Reeves a lot of credit for, you know, coming to him and saying, look, I think we need to start Shane Matthews during the uh, the uh, spring game. I, I would like to give him a start and see what he can do. I see some real uh, good things with him. And and so I think that's that's the difference. And the Dan Mullen just kept telling us Kyle Trask isn't ready. He's not ready. He's not ready. You know, kind of thing. And uh, then lo and behold, he – forced into us into action against Kentucky and you watch what he did. And we're all looking at each other going in the press box during that game going, uh-huh. uh-huh I hadn't felt pretty- about a quarterback since um, when Rex started playing. I mean, not even yeah. Tebow. When, when, yeah. The first game I saw Rex play, cause we were on the sidelines for that game. It was just like, look how the ball comes out of his hand. Look at that mm-hmm. zip. That's an NFL mm-hmm. arm. That's an NFL quarterback. And yeah. uh, when Trask started throwing, it's like, wow, Look at these throws he's making. This is not, I get it. It's a square peg in a round hole for what Mullen ultimately wants to do, but Mullen's not that egotistical and not that stubborn where he's not going to play this guy going forward. And, you know, we don't have to be a a, a historical uh, run that Trask had. Yeah. And then you look at what happened with Richardson and and to your point earlier, you know, anybody can look on the field and see Richardson. And what did he say about Rich? Well, he's not ready. He's not, you know, he's not ready to make this. And it's the same thing you said about Trask, essentially. Uh, but, but we're all looking at Richardson going, you know, there are a lot of things you can do to get him ready because I'm sorry, but Emory Jones was not the guy, and everybody in Gainesville knew that. Look, you just said the media doesn't get to see that much of practice if they see it at all. So you saw, like, what, 15 minutes a day? The players, they see everything. Yeah. The receivers see everything. The line sees everything. The defense sees everything. They all know. They're not crazy. They're not blind. They, they yep. know who's better and who should be playing or not. So, I mean, th- those are, again, just some of the things that, you know, loyalty and stubbornness, you know, you go down with yeah. the ship with that. You so you, you, you hit on it earlier about recruiting. So I guess I need to ask you, what is your take on how NIL has kind of been rolled out, you know, not only nationwide, but, you know, how we're handling it. You think we're approaching it the right way? Because I have a lot of opinions on it also. I'm curious what you think. I hate NIL. I like it for what it could do for the players if it's done NIL. I mean, if it's really name, image, likeness, I think it could really help a lot of players, their families. I I think that's what it should be. And i got to be honest with you. I said this years ago. I go back to I mean, when I was a kid, when Herschel Walker was being promoted on ABC's Game of the Week, you know, and, and here's Herschel Walker or or then in later on the TBS stuff, you know, the SEC on TV. Oh, I remember and, that. Sure. And you'd see all these promos and they used they used a lot of players to promo. And I used to sit there and think, you know, I wonder if the player gets a cut of that. Yeah, no, he doesn't. But players should get a cut of that. And because they're using that player to build the game up and do what they do. 
and I, I have no issue with NIL. I have a huge issue with with an agent or an attorney in California telling everybody, well, reason this kid went here, I he got more money. I got him more money to go to this school it, here it, or whatever. Well, now you're getting into I didn't get on my soapbox now because he's yeah. admitting he's cheating. NIL money it's, is not, it's not supposed NIL. to be it's not, not supposed not to be for recruiting purposes. It's not supposed to entice someone to campus. NIL is supposed to be an opportunity once you are a student. So if right. that clown out there is talk about, you know, Florida offered this, we took this instead. He just self-indicted Miami. It's so, yeah. ugh. But, but I guess yeah. so. But here's my question for you. The rule states that it's not for enticing. It's supposed to be for your own. But if everybody's doing it, Shouldn't we? I mean, Billy Napier, you know, Scott Strickland, Eddie Rojas, everybody involved, you know, directly or indirectly with, you know, the Gator Collective, the Gator Guard, the funneling of money to athletes who are currently, you know, on campus and stuff. The stance they're taking is we are not speaking to recruits. We are not paying recruits to come here. We'll handle when they're here. But is that right? I mean, is that should we be doing that when you know there is no police anymore and these other schools are doing it? Are we gonna fall further and further behind? What should we do? Well, you, you know, I, I think honestly, what we should do is what we should have done a few years ago and break away from the NCAA. I mean, I, Greg Sankey, I think his source of frustration for the decision of what was what went on with the college football playoff and the lack of expansion there. I, I think that infuriates him. I really do. But but my my take is the NCAA has been infuriating all of us for decades. Right. But we, they've been so far behind on the transfer portal. That's a mess. They've been so far behind on, on NIL. Um, we've seen for decades now a team that, that oh, I don't know, um, sets recruits and players up with hookers and uh, has a party at a booster's house and does this, does that. Got got a somewhat firm slap on the wrist when it should have been a lot more. Sure. And then it seemed like two years ago, was it two years ago, three years ago, Missouri with what they got in your and they did hard what they did was baby crap and they reported to the NCAA said, Yes, we did this, we're guilty. And the NCAA goes, bam. You know, yeah. you're going, What? Are you kidding me? You know, it it just there's no rhyme or reason to what they do. It's all bad. It's all that they're so well, far behind everything that's my soapbox is is i would love to see they, they've proven that they're incapable of, of managing division one oh. division two division three so it's time for the conferences to move on and expand as they're going to expand do what they're going to do and and really create their own and get their own commissioner well here's the bottom line with that is the ncaa doesn't want to you know slap anybody's well, wrist because they're afraid of the lawsuit because they know that the way it's set up now will get struck down right. by any court, you know, well, basically. There are two reasons. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So like if somebody challenges, you know, this thing about not paying players, they are most likely going to lose. And, right. you know, title nine requires that you have equal participation between, you know, men and women sports. And you add money into the mix. It's not just paying football players. It's paying men's right. soccer, women's soccer, you know, men's, you know, everything. So none of these, only the highest budgeted schools have that uh, money coming in to afford for everybody. And they have to legally because of Title IX. So it's a can of worms they don't want to open. So when people are breaking the rules, they're just going to be like, you know, like oh, oh. They, yeah. they don't want to open that. So my my question again is, if everybody's doing it, why aren't we? Because what are we at University of Florida? Do we, do we are we serious that we want to compete for SEC titles and national championships, or do we want to be Notre Dame that says, "Well, we're holier than thou. We have, you know, uh, we have better grades than everybody else, and we don't cheat." Well, you know, thirty years ago, when you actually had the risk of probation and the death penalty, that's fine. But today, you're like a fool sitting here, and I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't know. These I mean, those bags of McDonald's money. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why can't we do that? That's nil. It's nil. Now, and 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 look, uh, 
that's the whole Saban Jimbo Fisher dust up. I mean, we, we know, we get it. We know where it is, but you're right. You're right. I, I think, I, I think right now people are like, uh, is the NCAA going to do anything about it? We know they went down to Coral Gables. Are they going to do not. anything though? For, for sure. Oh. And then, well, and then there's a second reason though. There's a second thing. And this is where, where I come in and look at it and go, this really scares me. The whole thing just really, um, is why I, I again I'm a firm believer that we that if if there's any way just part from the NCAA and create your own, uh, that would be the ideal thing to do. Because is is the NCAA really want to stop NIL? Because what were we hearing a few years ago? Players saying, "Hey, look at all your TV money. Look at all the money you have, NCAA. Where's mine? Where's mine?" Yep. They don't want anybody saying that. So NCAA's got to be going. NIL, Absolutely. hey, you guys, you guys deserve some money. You guys deserve money. Yes, NIL, fine. Because the last thing they want is a players waking up and going, hey, we want ours. We want ours knocking on their door. And then again, like I said, because the Title IX, it's not the football players saying we want ours, we want yeah. ours. Everybody has to get it. Yeah. And, you know, that's I, – I have no problem with that, but the fact that if you're going to do it, it's, you know, you don't get half pregnant for something like that. You're all in. And everybody yeah. has to get paid and it's going to completely change the economic, you know, it, not, it's not so much at the schools like the Bamas and even the Floridas can't afford it, but it's just, if I control all of it, I don't want to give it to you. You know, right. that's why there's still bowl games. It's not because right. of, you know, it has nothing to do with what's on the field and, you know, playing an extra game. It's these bowl committees gets these TV contracts with the bowl committees. They're not with the conferences, not the NCA. They're the bowl committees. have the. Yeah, that's yeah. why the Rose Bowl is so powerful. They have yeah. this huge contract with ESPN ABC. They don't want to give that up. Although it'd be interesting now without having it could be weird having a Rose Bowl in a couple of years where it's uh, you know, USC playing Stanford in the Rose Bowl since they're jumping over to the Big Ten. Yeah. And let's face it, they all have money. The NCAA has a chunk of money. The conference has their money. Uh the schools now have some money. The bowls have a lot a ton of money. You're you're absolutely right. But, but, but who does it? All of them do. The players. NCAA doesn't want this the players knocking on their door. They really don't. They and I think they're fine now with NIL where whereas a few years ago, oh, they weren't they weren't fine with NIL. They they were no, not no, happy. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, you get that and and then you look at the expansion issues, you look at all the issues that still go on with the transfer portal, uh, you know, rubber stamping guys when it, Mike, we're not that far away from kids um, who were were having to wait until what two three weeks after practice began to find out if they were even eligible to play that year because <laughs> right whatever it was academics or whatever transfer or whatever you know and you just sit there and you just go wow right well, it was now, just two crazy. years ago like Braden Cox we waited forever for Braden Cox to find out if he was going to be eligible for his transfer or not That's right very good point. And- I mean, we're this far away from complete free agency. We're this far away from kids having yep. agents and the whole thing. And all these changes, like you said, college expansion of, of and realignment of, of conferences, uh, the transfer porter, NIL, you know, expanded playoffs. Have you met one person who thinks college football is going in the right direction? Not one. Not one. Nope. I haven't met one. And 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 people are really frustrated. It's the the Older people, I think, are waking up. I think some of them that who I knew who were kind of like nil. I'm not. No, this isn't. No, they they should be doing that for the pride of the school and books. I said that's not the way it is in this. Join the real world. Yeah, yeah, and I think some of those guys have really turned flipped the page. I think, but Mark, that's the thing. You just hit a major point where. I get that everybody of our age and older feels kind of like that, but you know something? There are some programs like Bama, like Georgia, like Tennessee. They're like, you know something? We will do whatever it takes to win. And I don't get that sense yet that Florida's, you know, fan base, the big money, the administration, the president, I don't think they have that, we will do whatever it takes. And I don't know if that's rooted back in the 80s with probation. I don't know if that's this commitment to be a top 10 university. I don't know if it's just being scared of getting in trouble. I don't know if it's a sway of the UAA who wants all of the 
donation money, not some of it going to the boosters and some go into NIL stuff, but you know, we're not there yet. We are not at that. We'll do whatever it takes. Cause if we want to do whatever it takes, those rich boosters also have a hand in politics and yeah. laws that restrict us in Florida from doing things that they can do in California. Believe me in Bama, those rules don't apply in, in the state laws there because people from Auburn and Bama will do whatever it takes. They'll change those yeah. laws. Hasn't happened yeah. here yet. So yeah. until we have a complete look in the mirror and saying, I'm tired of losing to Georgia every year. I, I miss my trip to Atlanta. I haven't been to the playoff yet. Yeah. Until yeah. we make that decision, we're going to do whatever it takes. And if that means skirting the rules, so be it. They're not stopping us. Until then, we're just going to be a good program, but not an elite program. And that's where I want to be. Um, last question for you before we go. Um, real quick, what's your crystal ball? Mark's crystal ball. What's the Gator season going to look like? I've, I've been saying this. I think if Florida wins eight games this year, Gator fans should be very happy with Billy Napier and his staff. I think, again, when you look at this Florida team, I think there's some good frontline players. I think there's some, there are a few really good frontline players. But but if I have to ask a question and throw it back at people, this is what I've been saying. Okay, tell me who on the Florida offense and who on the Florida defense will be first team all SEC. Preseason, even preseason. Go ahead, throw me some names. Got one? Got one who will be I mean, he may not be preseason, but at the end of the year, AR could be uh, first team. Could be. Could be. And that's but the most important important most important position in football. But if you look, if you look right now, and, and I'm just saying preseason because and I know, and I'm not trying for, for anybody out there saying, well, who cares who's preseason? Yeah, you do care. Because it's a state of the program right now is what my point is. Right. If you're looking at Florida right now, on the offensive side of the ball, the guy who is probably you're going to get more notoriety is Osiris Torrance, oh, the offensive guard coming you in. Got me. I was just going to say that. Yep. <laughs> He's a transfer from Louisiana. He hasn't played it down for the Gators. Uh, yeah, Justin Shorter is going to get some some grades there's no question about that uh you know we'll see you know we'll see what they do if ar gets anything we'll see if um uh you know i i, I don't think naquan wright's going to get much to be honest with you i think he's a good back but he's a, and then you look on the defensive side of things okay gervon dexter uh ventrell miller are two guys who you are, are who you think are going to do potentially yeah, Brenton Cox. I was just going to say Brenton Cox Marshall. Jr. is a guy who's been around a while, but you Marshall know, could get some. Yeah, but are any of those guys going to be legitimate first team preseason All SEC guys? And and I'm sitting there going, you can make, you can certainly make an argument for for second team maybe, or certainly third team. But but uh, yeah, well, that's the and recruiting problem. Me, my point with all that when I when I tell people that my point with that is this. That tells you the state of the program. Mm -hmm. That tells you a lot. Sure. Uh, you didn't. You didn't ask that question when Steve Spurrier was running Florida football. You didn't ask that question when, when Urban Meyer was running street, street Florida football. And honestly, you, you didn't, didn't say ask about. That yeah, you didn't Musch ask that question with uh, with Muschamp or Ron Zook. I mean, they yeah. they recruited the same standard. Yeah, Muschamp. Muschamp had some players, and you know, but but. You know, my, and again, my point with all that is, okay, I just named a bunch of players. I can't name any other players who are going to be second or third team. It's just the five guys who I mentioned, and I don't think any of them – I don't think any of them will be first team, but second team, maybe third team, and I'm not convinced all five will make even a third team. Uh, yeah, it's just the state of Florida football right now, guys, and, and that's yeah. not a good place. I think – your point about AR-15 is right on target. And, and that is, as he goes, as he develops, staying healthy, and that Florida offensive line develops. And, and, you know, this should be a pretty good interior offensive line. It mm -hmm. should be good as long as uh, Richard Garage at left tackle is healthy. But beyond that, the tackle position is awfully thin. We don't know anything about what's going to happen if a guy goes down at the tackle position. Um, you know, the tight end room is 
there's some talent there, but a lot of it's untapped. Uh, the wide receiver group, who are some of the backup wide receivers who are going to step up and compete? I, you know, the running back room looks really good at Florida, I think, overall, uh, even with with the, the loss of Bowman. Uh, still looks pretty good. But but I think there are a lot of positions where you look at Florida and you go, hey, that guy, that guy, yeah. And then you kind of go, wow, depth issues at Florida. And look, I'm not saying that you go in any season where you're stockpiled with depth because you're not. You Nobody is. But when you look at the depth at some of these other programs and then you look at Florida, I, I, I tell you what, I, I took a look not all that long ago. Well, I guess it was during the spring at Kentucky. And I said, hey, I remember this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy playing. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, wow, that's on one side of the ball. Uh, I, I can't even say that about Florida, you know. College football is about narratives also, you know. Yeah. And like, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee are going to get a lot of love because of the storyline from last year. Yeah. But if you look at Kentucky, they lost a ton on defense. They have a quarterback coming back who was all right. Great last year, but all of a sudden he's getting first round draft pick buzz. Tennessee, well, it's July, so they're always going to get the offseason award for the greatest team on the planet. But yep. they get the love because of narratives from last year, and we get a we're like almost a blank slate. Yep. I mean, our depth issues because recruiting is really two things. There's can you get those five or six elite guys, and also what is the rest of your class like? You know, the other twenty guys, and the problem is. Dan Mullen filled up a lot of those classes with a lot of three-star guys where already Billy Napier is getting four-star guys that fill the class out. He's not settling for this guy in the backup plan for this guy. He's starting to get those four stars. We're all frustrated. You know, we don't get guys like Jordan Rashad. That will come. I, I think that will come. I think we'll figure out our NIL game. I think we'll build more of those relationships, you know, with, with these things. I think we'll start getting the elite, especially in-state guys, but He's already started getting the four-star guys, you know, the webs and all those who are like, you need your core roster to be talented, not just the top elite guys, because nobody has 17 five-stars. You know, the best of the best have five or six. It's yep. seven through 20. They all got to be four-stars, and we're, we're starting to do that. Um, I think this year, and I'm, you know, keep watching this show, you know, in the weeks coming up, and I'll give more and more of my thoughts and everything, but... You know, this is the first time I'm really talking about the Gators on, on this, but I don't think there's a country with a bigger variance of what their final record can be from Florida. I mean, if AR gets hurt in week two, <laughs> we may not be a bowl team. Yeah. And if AR has a Cam Newton year where he's just everything, this team could go to the playoff. I mean, I, I really think there's that much of a variance. I mean, I wouldn't bet on not being a playoff team and I wouldn't bet on going to the, I'm sorry. I wouldn't bet on being a non-bowl team, and I wouldn't bet on being a playoff team, but those possibilities exist a little bit in that bell curve of this team. I mean, I think they're probably most likely an eight-win team. The beginning of the season's tough. Uh, again, it depends on how much you value Kentucky and Tennessee, of how hard you think that, that beginning of that season is. George is obviously going to be tough, but is this going to be the type of team that's going to struggle and lose to, to a Missouri or South Carolina teams, they have more talent. And again, that goes back to the start of the show. And I said, you know, this team quit last year on Dan Mullen. They're not going to quit on Billy Napier right away. So I think you're going to see more fight in those type of games. So I don't know. I, I think we're going to be okay. Um, you know, it's, it's the first year. I think once we get past talking about recruiting and we start actually talking about, you know, X's and O's with Napier and execution, I think we'll be fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know well, we got to get going. About this team the first month of the season. Yeah. Uh, with the Utah game and then Kentucky and a couple weeks later, Tennessee. That first month of the season, you're going to find out a lot about this Florida football team. You really are. Because let's face it, I mean, yeah, you've got, um, you've got Georgia down the road. We all get that. But outside of that, in Jimbo, uh, Texas A&M. Uh, but outside of that, you have a lot of other SEC coaches who are in their first or second year. So, you know, you should match up pretty well against uh, some of those teams. And then you've got a Florida State team where, 
you, you've got a coach who he's got a producer. He's on the hot seat. And he, who knows? Sure. He may be fired by the time Florida plays him. I think the first month's going to tell you physically what kind of team this is, like in talent wise. How they react to that will be the second test. If they come out one and three or two and two, if they come out one and three, and for all intents and purposes, their SEC season's over, how are they going to react? How are they going to play the rest of the season? How are they going to play for Billy Napier? How are they going to develop thinking about 2023? That's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. So. You're absolutely right. Look, and, and that's it. Uh, early on, I mean, before before they kick off on September 3rd against Utah, Billy Napier, this team has to to play Billy Napier football. And yeah. um, that that's going to be – that's going to be – if they want to be successful, that's what they're going to have to do. Yep. Well, Mark, I'm definitely going to have you on again throughout the season. It was great to great to get the band back together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the first time I get to do this. Tell the folks where they can find you on social media. <laughs> you can find me at McLeod Live on Twitter, M-C-L-E-O-D Live, which beats the alternative. And then certainly uh, uh, 1021news.com at 4 o'clock Eastern. Monday through Friday, and that is the blitz. And and uh, during the summer months right now, I'm just going to do one hour, and then we'll see uh, as we go on. We'll add that second hour as football season comes on. So uh, looking forward to it and looking forward to having you on the Gator Blitz and talking Gator football. Yeah, you might get a phone call from Cranky in Manhattan. So just be on the lookout. Yeah, I'm the raised guy. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I spared everybody my uh, aggravation from this past weekend with Cincinnati. And as we're recording this, they blown a five nothing lead, a five one lead to Boston. So I'm have to do may have to do an emergency show a little later on this week to talk about my frustration with everything. But actually, next week I do have a really good guest lined up to talk race baseball. So be a lot of fun. Yeah. So thanks, Mark. Again, great c- catching up. And um, for everybody, thanks for thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Please hit the subscribe button for FL Teams the, the channel, and um, follow me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. If you're a Giant fan. Check out the Just Giants podcast with myself and the football grump. And we'll Mark to get you on there also to talk some SEC and uh Gators in the NFL also. So absolutely get Do you it. on there. All right, everybody. Have a great week and and go Gators. <laughs>